You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. The Running Public is brought to you exclusively by VJ Shoes. My ratio of choice, Kirk's ratio of choice. If you're heading off trail, this is the shoe you want on your foot. That's right. You know what I like about my VJ Shoes, Bracken? Preach at me, Kirk. Nothing locks my foot in better than my VJ Shoes. For technical terrain, muddy terrain, steep ascents or descents, my foot is secure. I trust my grip. There's no other shoe to go with. Best grip on the planet. Get yourself some. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So winter running is like the number one fear of a lot of people that they just, how am I going to keep my fitness over this off season? I have early season races. I have a spring marathon or I have a spring obstacle course racing season or whatever it's going to be. And you have to have some wheels early on. Yes, you do. It's scary to think I may not be able to do anything that I've been planning on doing for the next four months. How do I get through this? Yeah, I would say as a coach, I would say my texts in my inbox get way more flooded this time of year because I'll have an athlete that'll be like, we're supposed to get a bunch of snow or it's 40 mile an hour winds or this. And I'm supposed to do this workout tomorrow. Like, what do I do? I think this is like the busiest time for like either modifications or improvision because of the weather. And you always have three options. You can either just find a way to do it indoor, like treadmill every single day. You can just go outside and tough it up or you can just skip it. And obviously skipping it is not an option if you plan on racing well in spring and treadmill is a fantastic option but gets old so you and i are both believers in running outside more often than not during winter yes we are i think the name of the game is like be malleable this time of year like just because your heart's set on a tuesday workout doesn't mean you can't push it to wednesday or doesn't mean you can't like modify a version that fits the uh the weather for that day because I think getting outside is a priority right now instead of becoming like an indoor warrior uh, when possible. Yeah, I agree. And I think that there's a little something lost on the treadmill, especially if you're not training for just a pure road race. If you're road racing, you can probably get away with 100% treadmill work. But if you're doing any amount of uh, off, you know, off camber running or trail racing that you're prepping for or anything, even with turns or hills, you have to be outside. Yeah, I agree. Here's a little nugget for you. So this is my general philosophy if I am backed into a corner and need to get on the treadmill instead. So today I was supposed to do a tempo run outside, six to eight miles flat. Well, we got a snowstorm. It was going to be counterproductive. So I went on the treadmill, but anytime I translate an outdoor workout to the treadmill, I go at an incline to develop a little more power to simulate. I feel like you get more out of it. So I did a 15% incline today for 40 minutes instead of getting outside on the flat. And I feel like that was way more productive than if I went flat on the treadmill and just turned over the legs. Like, I feel like I'm developing like a more complete system that way. So my philosophy is if I'm going to be stuck on the treadmill, let's put some elevation in there and simulate the outdoor workout that way. That's, that's what I've been doing. 
Yeah, I like that. I think muscularly you get way more benefit from running uphill. And I find that 10 to like 15% range to be the highest runnable incline. After that, you're still running, but your form's changing to more of like a an uphill climbing type of um, cadence and arm carriage. But that at 15% and below, you can run almost your normal stride and you get that benefit. Yep. Yep. And then you can just look and I know pacing can be tough in that situation, but just look at effort. If you pay attention to your heart rate, you know where you should sort of be. Um, it's very good. I think it translates very well. Yeah. One thing I do is on my treadmill, it shows the calories per hour that it's burnt or you're burning at any given incline and pace. So I always set it flat and then set it to a pace that I think is roughly what I'm going to hit. And then, uh, so let's say that's 1300 calories per hour for the workout. And then I go set it to 12% and I try to find what's roughly 1300 calories per hour. And then that's my jumping off point. Usually I have to start below that because it's, it's equivalent calories according to the machine. But in reality, it is much harder running 520 effort uphill than it is flat. So uh, I'll start maybe 80 calories below that or hundred to start with and then move up from there. But it gets you in the ballpark. That's a trick you gave me last year. And I'll tell you what, it works. Like it, it's super helpful. At least you like, how do you translate five minute pace at 15% incline? It's that's the best starting point. Yeah. And it, it kind of highlights your, your weaknesses. If your heart rate's 160 at 1300 calories flat and it's 178 at 1300 calories incline, then, you know, I'm somewhere in my stride. I'm losing some juice at an incline. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, let's talk like snow running man. I know like some people avoid like getting out and trudging through the snow, like the plague. Um, we are not those people. So how, what do you, just tell me what you think about like, like running in the snow. When do you do it? Why do you do it? When do you choose to go in the snow on purpose? Anytime it is runnable, I'm in it. So I skipped it today because we just got seven inches and it was still actively snowing at the time and it was fresh. And I didn't feel like churning through powder because I did three by two mile this morning. Um, but outside of like a very specific workout like that, if it's not really, really dangerous, I'm out there in the snow um, because I think it I think it carries over. I'm a believer in efforts rather than paces. I think your body doesn't know necessarily what 518 or what 618 or 718 feels like. But I believe your body knows the effort required to do that. I think your body knows cadence and it knows effort and it knows your heart rate and you can still hit all of those things in snow. So I, I try to do it whenever humanly possible. Yeah. I can't argue with that even a little. I agree hundred percent. And are you running now? Are you going out for a recovery run in the snow? Are you doing hard efforts in the snow? Are you, I don't know, leaning, you know, I, I guess, how do you set that up? Everything. I have done every type of run conceivable to man in the snow. Um, but I would say I enjoy most my easy and my recovery runs. Aerobic efforts to me are really enjoyable in the snow because pace is kind of out the window. You don't have to worry about anything. I just turn my watch around and I, I like to put on music and just run in the snow. Yeah, especially after a fresh snow, it's like the whole woods glows. You don't need lights, you don't need anything. It's just you and the wolves out there just tromping through the snow. Yeah. But I guess to further answer your question, you asked what kind of workouts I did. I did 24 by 400 uh, a week and a half ago in the snow. And then I did uh, 16 by 650 in the snow the following week. So I, you know, I was, I was turning over running hard interval work 
in the snow. On like in the snow, like the sidewalks were full of snow or are you like in the woods? No, I was on a trail. Okay. The 400s was on a very smooth, like a walking, like wood chip trail, real smooth. And then the 650s were on a pretty technical trail uh, that had some, by that point, the snow was packed down to, I wasn't making any real footprints. I was just digging into hard packed snow, but it was technical and it was, it was a blast. Yeah. And I bet your engine got a great uh, benefit from that. I think... Um, so I think there's two places for snow running and this is how I, I approach it. My recovery runs, like you mentioned, are the first place because you just go out, you don't look at your watch. You get a lot of that solid, like ankle flexion, like proprioception working on just foot planting in your body, reacting to uneven surfaces. And I think like the, the recovery runs, like, cause you can slow it down as much as you want. I think it's a great place for that. And the other place I think that you should actively seek out the trails this time of year if you want to develop strength, if you want this to translate to shitty terrain, like we never run in posh circumstances. We're always trumping through crap as Spartan athletes and trail runners is I think you should focus your long runs on the trails. If you're going to go out for two hours, like the strength that builds, um, you can't, you can't replace it's, it's not even in the same ballpark as going out for two hours on the road or on a clean surface. And I find when I do my long runs out on the trails in the snow and yeah, it's annoying at times, but I'll be like, oh, it was so slow today, but then I'll go and hit like my intervals for speed on the road three days later. And the effort, it's like running downhill. It's incredible. And it, and it works. So I think, I think the recovery runs, like you mentioned, and then those long runs, if you have no speed agenda, it's the perfect place to go and build like some really good, like gritty running strength. I a hundred percent agree. I know you're from Minnesota. I'm from Wisconsin. You're from Wisconsin, living in Minnesota. I'm from Wisconsin. So we kind of grew up doing this. But the first time I did a long run in the snow was in college when I was at Whitewater. And we did like a, it wasn't the longest, but it ended up taking like 90 minutes, 95 minutes, but it was in a driving snowstorm. And there was so much snow on the roads that it just kept building up that every step you were losing ground. And by the end of that run, we all had like little twinges of cramps starting at the top of our hamstring, bottom of our glutes. We mm -hmm. were just using a part of our musculature that we weren't used to engaging on a normal long run. And it didn't start till about 48 minutes in, we started feeling that. And so if you're doing a 40 to 60 minute run, you'd start to touch that. But if you're doing your long run, you're spending the second half in this place where you are engaging muscle strands and fibers that aren't normally used. And so I, I agree with you, that bang for your buck on long bad condition runs really makes you work. Yeah. Especially when, when you're not really out there to run a certain pace, you're not trying to work on, uh, in a certain speed. I think it's perfect. And really like running in that junk, like quit avoiding the snow. Like if there's any like recommendation, like quit being a freaking wimp, like get outside in the elements and use them to your advantage. Like just run efficiency and power in your stride and quick cadence. Like all that stuff is forced upon you when you're running through trashy snow. And I'm telling you what, man, it, it hundred percent relates to efficiency on cleaner terrain. I've never, I've never done a bout of snow running. Um, and like this week I was out there three of my four runs, for example, so far this week, I've never had like a bout of training where I've said, let's go in the snow as much as possible and come out of it feeling slow. Even I've always felt powerful and really fit. I agree. I, I think it's an engine builder. It's like it's it's resistance training while running because you have to work. There, there's you can't get in a rhythm and and run economically. You have to fight for every inch of it. And so by the time you get to spring and now you're doing economical rhythm running, 
you are just much, much better at it because your, your engine's grown so much bigger. You just have to use less of it. Well, I was going to completely just like 180 this. So I was too. Oh, all right. Like mine. The one thing to balance that off is that I do maintain some sort of speed work flat at correct speeds throughout this time. Man, we got like this telepathic thing going on right now, Bracken. That's right. Good man. Tell me how you do yours and I'll tell you how I do mine. Well, that's funny. So my proposition here was going to say, Bracken, we got, you got quarter mile repeats today and the snow comes pouring down and you've got negative 30 with wind. I was going to provide a scenario here and you were going to tell me how you would handle it. I would just be curious. And then we can get into philosophy if you want. All right. So your workout is your workout is 12 by 400 meters, very standard workout. It's the first time you were going to let the legs really turn over. You got shitty conditions and you see the forecast, but you're really set on that day doing that workout. What do you do? You got six inches of snow. What kind of pace are we talking? Your, your first time you're trying to dip into 5K race pace, getting ready for Jacksonville. For, for 5K, I would go out in the snow and I would do it. Why? I would do it in the snow because I, I think that 5K is not about clean, smooth speed like a mile or a, a 3K is. I think 5K, you get into that nauseous, terrible burning area halfway through, and you've got to maintain that for another 7 to 10 minutes depending on your on your ability. And And I think that part of that comes from being able to access – a lot of your muscle fibers while you're tired. And I think that revving it in six inches of snow running, I wouldn't run 400s. What I would do is I would just say, if I was trying to hit 80 seconds per 400, I would run 80 second intervals in the snow. And I might cut it down to 10. I'd probably do eight by or 10 by 80 seconds with the same number, same amount of recovery and try to hit even effort the whole time. And then I'd hop inside and finish off with like, four to six by like 20 seconds at 10% incline really fast, like mile pace or faster. Just to feel good about yourself. Yeah. And, and so I'd still get that clean, smooth, crisp form running, hitting a fast pace outside. I'm hitting the effort inside. I'm hitting the pace I need. I think that's probably what I do. I don't know if that's a cheating answer, but that's how I personally would attack it. You walked me into my next point. You didn't even know it. You said you laid me up for one. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say in that situation, um, Effort trumps pace at times. And you said, as you said, our body knows effort, not pace, um, especially when it comes to how much work it's, we're getting out of our bodies. So in the winter, my biggest thing when, I'm, when I hit like a day where I know that I'm not going to run the splits I want to because of the weather, I change it to time. Exactly like you said, if I plan on running my quarters in 70 seconds, well, instead of my gauge being a quarter mile repeats, now they're 70 second repeats. If I'm going mile repeats and I want to run 515s, it becomes a five minute, 15 second effort outside. And who cares if I don't run a full mile on that? I'm simulating the workout in its own right, getting out of it what I want. So I think the best translator to do in shitty conditions is to ditch the distance intervals and switch to time intervals, just like you mentioned. And, and I think it's perfect because in snow, you're going to have shorter strides for the most part. But if you're turning over at the same cadence with shorter stride using five minutes of effort, does your body know the difference between 0.79 miles at five flat effort in the snow versus a full mile at five flat effort on in a sunny, balmy day. I don't really think so. I agree. My caveat to that is if I was at the end of winter and I had to be sharp for a race soon as the winter went on. And if I needed speed to be there, I'd start doing a higher percentage on the treadmill. Yeah. But especially the first half of winter. Yeah. Get outside, run the effort and run the duration. 
So for some of our listeners, um, you know, I think the, the first big one on people's schedule, if we're talking Spartan racing anyways, would be Jacksonville, which is roughly uh, five weeks, I think, from this weekend. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, that's when you're exactly right. Is So at some point, like if you want to go, and especially in the front end of the men's elite field, like we're going to have to be out there running five-minute pace um, on soft terrain. I feel like close to it anyways. Um, and that's when, and that's when I do say, make it a priority to run fast. Like when you're honing in on like four weeks of an A race and it's time for you to practice race effort and pace and, and dial your body. And that's when it's okay. So one time I think it's okay to either push a workout back a day or hop on the treadmill. If you need to seek out an indoor track, because you are going to have to understand that turnover, that cadence, that rhythm, that pace. And I would say once you get in that four week mark, then start making those speed workouts a priority, maybe shift away from the snow. Um, but I would say when you're base building or when you're starting to really work on your engine, like preseason, I would say go towards the snow. Exactly. And if we are talking from an obstacle racing perspective, we can't, you and I right now, we cannot simulate uh, mud running, you know, running through a creek. We can't do uh, soft, um, mushy grass, but we can run through snow. And snow running is the next best thing we can get to running in soft, mucky terrain, which people are probably going to face in Jacksonville. And so if you do all your treadmill work, you're going to find that when your hips have to really engage, in your stride and with your stabilizers when you're trying to get in and out of bad terrain, you're just not going to have the balance and the, the muscle memory to get in and out of your stride quickly on that terrain. But snow running can keep you in that kind of fitness. Yeah. And what's a testament myself here. Um, my first breakout race in Spartan race was the Seattle U.S. National Series race two years ago. I took fourth place there. And for me, that was uncharted territory. Um, and when I looked back at my training, so that was an April race, but we had some late snow here in Minneapolis. Um, like we had a 19 inch snowstorm in April here, for example, two years ago. So what I realized is I was going, as soon as the ski hills closed down for skiers, I was going and running up and down the ski hill, going on trails. And I was running through like a foot of snow, like constantly twice a week, even going uphill on foot of snow. And then I got to Seattle and I had started that block like a month before Seattle to prep for Big Bear, which was next. So I was doing some uphill running in the snow. Anyways, I got to Seattle and I had like a new powerful stride that was like not a problem at all. And I remember racing there and being like, why do I feel so smooth? And, you know, Seattle's mucky and it's uneven terrain. And I credit that to just that was the first block of snow running I had done in my life. And then four weeks later, I go have the best race I've ever had. Like I was running 10 minute pace at times in the snow. And then I went and raced as fast as I did. And I just say it's like a testament, like don't avoid it. That's when I learned my first lesson, like get in the snow. I believe snow running equals staying power in races. Yeah. I, I think when people get into trouble, if it's not fitness, like your actual like cardiovascular system, it's muscular. That's when they get in trouble in races. And it's when your major pathways and major muscles start to fatigue, whatever's left around that picks up the slack. It's what leads to cramps and big, long races, steep races, if it's not electrolyte-based. And it's what leads to slowing down in the second half of races. And if all those supporting areas are bomb-proof, then you don't have to slow down. And snow running makes you bomb-proof for that. Yeah, It's not accessible mentally to a lot of people. I, first of all, like, it's, like you said, with clients, it's one of the biggest um, questions we get is, do I have to run outside? 
And I would say, yeah, you just have to be prepared for it. Um, but before we get to how you prepare for it, I did want to say like, my hard and fast rule with, with any client I work with is that you have to do at least 50% of your quality work on the terrain you're going to race in. So if you're prepping for track, you have to run at least half your work on the track. So you can go tempo off-road if you want, but you got to hit your intervals on the track. Or you can interval on a bike path if you want, but you got to hit your tempo on the track. And same thing goes for uh, trail runners. If you're going to be running on or off trail in the, the near future, you have to be doing, for, for me, you have to be doing at least half of your work off of the treadmill because you need the actual skill necessary to do so. Yeah, that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. I think I think basically just getting outside uh, if, if you're, if it's not like a hazard to your health, I would say, get your, get your ass out there and, and you're going to make a big difference in your training and being a treadmill warrior, like all winter, man, like you want to talk about turning yourself into a psycho. Like that is the worst. That is just the worst. I would rather go outside and freeze my butt off and cuss at the wind cutting across my face than sit there on the treadmill all winter. I I'm with, I'm there with you. I, I have a 50 inch TV directly in front of my treadmill so that I can get through the odd workout that happens on a treadmill because I need it. I have to be watching races actively in order to get through that workout. Do you watch reruns of yourself when we had the NBC series and you were, you were the highlight man? Did they, did, did you watch, does that inspire you watching yourself? Tell me you do it. I go back to that probably like 25% of what I watch is my own past races either to to remind myself, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Or to give myself a kick in the pants and say, you could do that. <laughs> like, you're not that fit right now. But yeah, I like, I like watching myself win because it gets me fired up to get through workouts. And I like watching myself get beat down because it gets me pissed off about the season and gets me through workouts. Ooh, I usually start with, uh, I'll go back and like, I'll go rewatch the Jacksonville race from last year in the next couple of weeks, I might watch it twice just to get in the mindset. And then next, like, I'll try to find the race that's coming up if I can, but, um, let's jump into, uh, let's jump into gear for winter running. I think this is, this is the single, uh, place where I think people can really get it wrong or they can get it right. And I think gear is, is, uh, is a big deal with when it comes to winter running more so than any other time of year. So let's start with our feet, man. What are you putting on your feet in the winter? Yeah, I think feet are, are probably the most the thing that you need to get right the most um i i've always run in some sort of studded shoe in the winter in high school and in college i made my own i'd put uh sheet metal screws i'd i'd screw those into the soles of old trainers and that was my my shoe but the downside to that is if you hit a hard patch at all i would get the the tip of that screw and would poke my foot and so um i discovered carbide um carbon carbide studded shoes um, probably five years ago and I ran for the first three years in the same shoe I wore the ice bug zeal I got a free I won a free pair to race and the shoe never fit me well but it was light and the grip was awesome and I'd, I'd ripped up so many workouts in that shoe but it just uh, it ripped early and I just kept taping it because I didn't feel like spending money on a shoe and then three years later I looked back and like I should have bought new shoes a long time ago. I switched to VJ at that point. I switched to uh, studded shoes last winter from VJ, uh, VJ Sport USA, and they 
were so much more comfortable than those ice bugs. <laughs> and the grip was as good, if not better. It's hard to really tell, but ice bug had like 10 or 12 carbide tips in it. And the, the VJs I have have 20. And so that can't be a bad thing. Yeah. They run more like a running shoe. The, the, the ice bug felt always a bit like a soccer boot. It was really light, but it was stiff where these are like, these feel like lightweight trainers are kind of racing flats in deep snow to me with, with good grip. So I'm, I'll never, I have no reason right now to turn away from these. They, they treat me well. Yeah. I would say if we're just going to talk about like studs for a second, um, like carbide studs. So I would, I used to run in like my yak tracks. I'd put on a version. They made a carbide stud version. They made like the, the wire coils that you could put under your shoes. I tried the wire coils, couldn't stand them. No. And, and, the, the carbide stud, like, uh, elastics that you put underneath a pair of shoes that you have, um, they worked okay. There would be some slippage, but there was never quite enough studs on them. Like there was some gaps in the studs and that could create really hot spots on the bottom of your feet too, because your feet would sink in, in between the carbide studs. And then there'd be a lot of pressure where that carbide stud pushed on your foot underneath. And then I'll tell you what though, like this VJ zero has been a game changer. Like these things are sick. Like all those hot spots that I would get on my attachments, um, like my that I would put underneath my shoes, like those are completely gone. So I'm in love with the Zero right now. And the one thing that I, I seem to like about them, like when you go running, um, like you're not going to be running on perfect, like or on all snow. There's going to be like cement patches. There's going to be dry terrain at times. You're going to have to cross roads. And I don't really notice the carbide studs in these VJ Zeros um, when I'm running on hard terrain. So like. I don't need to be tromping through a foot of snow for them to work. Like I can run like a mile on cement before I get to the trail and they don't hurt my feet and then they stick like glue. So like I've been running in, um, on the snowmobile trails. And for example, last week I went out and I ran in a regular pair of trail shoes. I didn't have my, I didn't wear my VJs. And then I went back out a week later and ran the same route in my VJ studded shoes. And I was like 20 seconds per mile quicker with the same exact BPMs, the same effort, just because I wasn't, I wasn't slipping in place as much. So, um, so anyway, so I like the carbide studs for, especially for this time of year. It really starts to matter when you start running fast and you have to plant and turn. So like that 24 by 400 workout I did, um, that was, that was in these because I had to trust it. I, I don't trust the Yak Tracks or the other brands because if I plant and turn there's some slippage you can also crack them i broke a pair of those um, and then they're using the sheet metal screws they're fine for long easy work in powder but uh, i don't like to plant i don't i don't trust them that they won't just pop out or that i'm going to feel it on my foot but yeah the carbide i can hit a rock i can hit a a, tr a tree um trunk on the ground you know a, a branch I, I can turn sharp in the ground and i don't get hot spots and like you said I, it, they're just trustworthy so let's move up from the feet then. So what are you putting on your legs? What are you putting on your upper? What, uh, what would you recommend for people, especially in those bitter cold days? Some people need more sock. And that's where it gets tricky because then you have to size up your shoes. What I find is that my feet are fine in any temperature if my toes aren't touching the front of my shoes. So I, I use normal socks, but a lot of people need wool or something, some sort of uh, a lot of people use Merino in winter. I don't find the need for that, but part of it is I just don't want to size up a half size if I get thick socks on. But then moving up from there, uh, I just wear normal running tights unless it's really cold. If it gets under 
under 10 degrees is when I start throwing on like a, a thermal tight or something with wind blocker on the front. Once, once it gets under 10 degrees or below zero, I always have either thermal tight with a wind blocker briefs underneath or tights. They have wind blocker on the front because I'm sure it's, it's not great for girls either, but for guys like you just, it takes one time of frostbite or close to it. And you just never make that mistake again. Yeah, that's a humbling uh, experience, isn't it? What do you wear in your bottoms? Um, I, I run. I like to run hot. I do well in hot weather. I do poorly in cold weather. My body would rather be overheated than underheated. So, um, like my run yesterday uh, on the snowmobile trails, I had a pair of uh, Spartan tights, craft tights, and then I had a fleece over them. Uh, fleece. I mean, I'm, I'm set. I would rather my body be warm than cold. So unless I got a quality effort, I will, for a quality effort, I would warm up with two pairs of pants on some tights and an outer, like a fleece. And then I'd strip my fleece off for the, the intervals. Um, so I'm a two layer, man. I, I don't hesitate to do that. In fact, I do that often. Um, if it's 20 or above, I'll just do my tights, but otherwise I'm a, I'm a double layer. And I think like, if I'm just going to jump to it, I think the two most, the two most important, uh, pieces of running equipment, all three really, but the two most that really jump out is one, a good pair of wind blocking mittens instead of gloves, instead of having finger separation, uh, or mittens that keep your fingers close together. Um, that seems to be huge for me. And then wearing a gaiter around my neck that you can pull up over. I feel like a lot of people like that neck, like gape, they let exposed. And that's like part of the, that's like one of the least enjoyable feelings about winter running is having like wind blast into your trachea when you're trying to breathe, like put a gator on your freaking on your freaking neck, man. Like the, the gator and, and a nice pair of gloves, your fingers aren't numb. Like those two things go so far. Um, and then the last thing that I always like, a lot of people don't wear windbreaker tops, like something that truly breaks the wind, whether it's a vest or a jacket. So like get something that doesn't allow the wind through. Like that's like, that's like 101, like winter running. And that makes a big difference in my opinion. I'm, I'm halfway there with you. I'm on the same with hands. For me, it's hands and ears. If my ears are warm and my hands are warm, I could probably run naked if I had wind, wind blocker briefs on. <laughs> I, my brother and I, Macaulay and I did a, a workout. It was like 11 degrees one day and we both forgot our, uh, we went straight from lifting and we forgot our pants. And so we were in compression shorts so we had our top, we had our, our windbreaker top, but we just had compression shorts. It was 11 degrees out and we were fine. Once we, like the warm up was cold and we didn't do a cool down. We just got right to the car. But during the workout, we were fine. Like my legs, I've never felt my legs cold. I don't think outside of like negative 20, but yep. uh, my hands and my head. So I'm, I'm, I have, <laughs> I have a type of glove for every um, weather, but once it gets under 10, then I, I wear mittens. I, I like the outdoor research flurry mittens. Those Lisa and I both wear those. In fact, I steal hers because I don't have mine anymore. And you have small hands. And if anybody I, wants to know, you got the world's smallest hands for like a tall that, dude. I like that that Burger King commercial. <laughs> you got <laughs> the Burger King commercial. You showed me your hands for the first time. Oh, you like on. made it. You made it a point. And I'm much shorter than you. And my hands trumped your little baby hands. Don't. Don't compare my hands to Trump's hands. My hands are. Way <laughs> we're not. We're not going there. Know what I thought? I thought, man. After seeing those hands, Bracken's OCR obstacle efficiency is even more impressive. How does he get those around those monkey bars? <laughs> Man, what a stud, I thought. I can barely climb the rope. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, mittens under 10 degrees. Uh, and then when it's below like negative 10, 
then I have gloves on with mittens over them. And then I run hot. I don't like to run hot. So I'm kind of the opposite of you. I, I wear a, a, a headband a lot. I wear a t-shirt sleeve cut off around my head for the vast majority of winter. But when it gets, again, when wind chills below zero, yeah, I have a buff on my neck. I have a real hat on. I like, I've been liking the craft stuff, craft hat. I wear a lot, those craft thermal tights I wear. And then up top, um, I keep it simple. I have just a regular t-shirt with a, uh, the Solomon Equipe uh, jacket. It's like a, it's a combination soft shell slash running top. It's got wind blocker on the front and open mesh in the back. So I can just get all my steam off me, but I run in that every, last year it was negative 50. And I wore that. I just put an extra layer of a thermal mock turtleneck underneath it, but t-shirt in that or thermal in that. And I can, I can run the gamut of temperatures. Negative 50. Did you hear that folks? You're listening to a man. Yeah, a man who runs negative 50. 52 with wind chill. And I just thought, yeah. I got to set a PR today. He ain't no bitch. He runs in that. <laughs> you should run in that too. If you want to like throw in any, like if you had to summarize your thoughts on winter running, um, do you have anything? Do you want to reiterate anything? What do you I think? I think my main bullet points are have the right gear. Have shoes with grip you trust. I personally love studded shoes. I use the VJ, what is this? The, the VJ Sport Sarvas Zero. They have several different versions, but their shoes have never fallen apart for me. They're going to last winter after winter, and I trust them. So that's what I'm using right now. Um, have your, your Whether you run hot or run cold, have your gear in order. If you have your gear in order, it's easy to get out the door. And once you get out the door, it's normal running. But the hit your intensity is all winter long. If your goal was to hit an interval day, a tempo day, and a long run, still hit those. You're allowed to do at least one of them indoor if you absolutely have to, but you can race just fine off doing them all outdoor and then doing some sharpen up 20 to 30 second treadmill sprints throughout the week. What about you? Um, yeah, it's like getting, you just got to get through that first five minutes of your run outside. After you're through the five minutes, like everything becomes fine. And, and the run, it's no different than running indoors once you're like up and running and warm. But I would just tell like, like the listeners, like you got to step up to the plate in the winter. Like you cannot quit like dancing around, getting outside. Like, do you think any race you freaking run is like running on a treadmill? If you're kidding yourself, like stop it. Like outside running, not only like in the winter, it, not only is there, there there's like, it translates to power. It translates to building a big, like aerobic engine um, and grit. And 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 that's exactly where I was going. And grit. And it and it's a mental toughness thing. Like I'll tell you what, maybe not the ideal circumstances all the time to run. And I'm out on the snow here, but I'll tell you how Jacksonville is going to feel in five weeks. It's going to feel like butter. And that's what you want. All that matters is race day. Who cares about your time? Who cares about your splits at times? Like just get out and make yourself a stronger, more gritty, tough runner. Like if you're listening to this on the treadmill right now, I want your ass to stop. I want you to go put some clothes on and get outside. I think uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I'll get myself all fired up over here. But, I've got nothing else yeah. to say. That wraps yeah. it up for me. Perfect. Get outside, folks. The Running Public is brought to you exclusively by VJ Shoes. If you're interested in testing out the winter training shoes that Kirk and I have been using, the VJ Sport Zeros. Use Running Pub 40 on VJShoesUSA.com to get 40% off your pair. No kickback to us. This is just a discount for you. 40% off using Running Pub 40. 
Best grip on the planet, hands down. Feet down. Feet down. Get yourself some. <laughs> Thank you.